Today is January the 12th. It's a Thursday, and I hope you're having a great day in the Lord. Today's reading comes from Mark chapter 9. Curious to know, what did you highlight? What did you circle? Uh, what are things that you saw in this passage? And remember, one of the things we're doing together is we're walking through these, these one chapter at a time, the New Testament, and we're taking time to circle things, highlight things, but we're also taking time to answer three questions. The question is, what is what do I learn about God or Jesus in this passage? What do I learn about people or humanity? And the other thing is, what is an action step I can take? What is a next step I can take in following Jesus? Or maybe you. If you're part of the Facebook group, I'd love to continue this conversation there because I want to learn from each other. We want to help each other follow Jesus and take next steps in belonging to Him. If you're not part of that group, you can join us on Facebook at You Are Sent. It's a group. Uh, you have to ask permission to join it, but if you join it, I, I mean, if you ask for permission, I will make sure that you are in that group. So let's talk about this passage a little bit. Remember, chapter 9 kind of begins with the ending of chapter 8. There's a verse there, uh, verse 1. So he wraps up his thought about this wave of the cross from yesterday. And then Jesus takes his disciples, some of them, on, up to a mountain there, and he is transfigured before them. And they see something they've never seen before. When he comes down from the mountain, Jesus heals a boy possessed by an impure spirit. And he kind of gets a little frustrated about the lack of faith in the people around him. Then he predicts his death for a second time, and he talks about how his, his disciples were fighting about, man, that person's not for us. They're not on our team, Jesus. What are we going to do about it? And he says, no, you don't get it. There's either the enemy's team or my team, and if they're doing things in my name and it's working, then they're on our team. Stop fighting them. And then he talks about little ones and them stumbling and how we're not supposed to cause them to stumble, but cause them um, to help follow Jesus better. So one of the things I highlighted in this um, that I just thought was interesting, again, and I already said a little bit, was just in this passage from 38 to verse 41, uh, it just seems like the disciples are kind of whiny. And I highlighted it because I think sometimes I can be a whiny disciple too. At least that's what I took from this, right? Uh, disciples saw him do some really cool things. He walked on water. He fed 4,000 people, 5,000 people. And then they come down from this mountain, and they're kind of frustrated. They weren't able to get this impure spirit out of this guy. And then they said, teacher, we saw other people driving out spirits in your name, and we couldn't stop them. And it's almost like, Jesus, other people are pretending to be your favorites like we are. Other people are doing things in your name, but we're your favorites. Tell them to stop because we want to have the spotlight. And Jesus rebukes them. He says, no, you don't get it. Like, we're all on the same team. There's only one team. It's Jesus' team. He, he's the coach. He's the star athlete. He's the player. Like, we all play for Jesus and his team. And there's the team of the enemy who wants to see Jesus fail. There's nothing in between. And I have circled this, highlighted it, and because I can sometimes catch myself being bitter and frustrated towards other people on our team. Right? I see God doing something cool in someone else's life, and I begin to complain, like, aren't I your favorite God? I want you to do that through me. We're on the same team, though. It's all about bringing glory to Jesus. And so that's what I highlighted. I don't know what you highlighted. I would love to hear what you highlighted. But that's what I highlighted, and I kind of circled, is just the whininess of the disciples through this passage. What I learned about Jesus through this passage is that God desires to reveal his plan to us, right? Jesus tries over and over again, from the transfiguration to talking about his death to disciples. He's been trying to warn them about what's to come, and they just don't get it. 
and I have to wonder, do I do the same thing? I think it's what we learn about people, right? All of us. God tries to reveal his plan to us because he wants us to know he wants to redeem and save the whole world. And we kind of miss out on the plan because we don't pay attention very well. It's just something that is true of people before us, people after us, and people right now, you and me. We do a good job of paying attention to some of the things God says, but not necessarily all the things God says. I struggle with this. You struggle with this. We all do. What I learned about people is that we need to do a better job of listening to God. So that's my action step today. I, I put for myself that I want to stop complaining. I, I want to stop whining like the disciples, and I want to start listening better today. God, what do you want me to do? God, how can I serve your kingdom and your team better, recognizing that all the glory is yours? Just curious, again, what are some of your thoughts? What are some of the things you highlighted or maybe even questions you have about this passage? I know we can't cover everything in these videos, but that's what I would love for the discussion to happen in that Facebook group. Maybe we can talk about some of these things or you can shoot us even a private message. We'd love to continue this conversation together. Now, we're going to read together Mark chapter 9. And remember, it begins by finishing Mark chapter 8, verse 1. It says this, And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they, saw, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And they, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him with the spirit. When the spirit saw Jesus, he immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, has often thrown him to the fire or water to kill him. 
But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever becomes one of these little children in my name, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one can, who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name becomes, because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God of one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Lord God in heaven, thank you for your word and the chance to read it today. May we have a good job and a great understanding of how to surrender ourselves to your kingdom and to take next steps in following you. Amen. Church, until we see each other again, You are sent.